Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we've got a little bit of both basketball and football. We've got some news to get to on the front end um, regarding the basketball team, Nate Reavers, Trevor Anderson, um, both announcing some new plans for them moving forward. So we'll talk about that before we get into some football talk. Joe Rudolph spoke to the media. We'll kind of break down um, a few of the things he said, and then we'll get into, a, I think, what will be a really fun exercise. We mentioned it last show, um, a make-or-break episode, and, and kind of what that means is the spring football, who is kind of in a position where it's make-or-break for them to either see the field or maybe drop down the depth charts a little bit. So guys that are kind of in precarious positions, maybe they've got a couple guys in front of them, some guys on their heels. Uh, so I think it will be a really fun exercise to kind of give you an idea of who to maybe keep an eye on um, as spring football progresses, I know, of course, we only get what you get from the media in terms of how each guy is doing. You don't get to see a lot of the practices, but it's, it's a, I think it'll be a fun exercise to kind of see where some guys are at, uh, in our minds at least. So it should be a lot of fun as we round out the episode and round out the week. Matt, how are you today? I'm doing great. Yeah, I think this episode is going to be a lot of fun. I know we usually like to do those exercises where we can kind of ping pong back and forth, kind of break down and get into some of the more uh, finer nuances of, of everything in terms of the team for football. And, and then, yeah, some, some basketball news and notes. And obviously Barry retiring was, was oh, gigantic yeah, news. <laughs> so um, we should probably touch on that as well. But how are you yeah, doing? That's a good call. Yeah, I completely glossed over that we hadn't talked about that already. But, yeah, no, I'm good. I think that's definitely a, a worthy talking point that Jake Ferguson's grandpa, I think, was, was kind of an important guy. So we'll hit on that a little bit. Here, let me add that to the show notes. But before we do that, before we get into football, let's talk about basketball here. Nate Reavers announces that he will hire an agent, pursue professional basketball. I know, of course, there were rumors before in the transfer portal looking for possibly a new home. Um, and then I, I, I thought maybe that this would end up being the case. I know we had kind of talked about it a little bit, that maybe this was just kind of a feeling out process for him. But he has decided to hire an agent to pursue the professional basketball world. I, I definitely think, I don't know about an NBA career, I, I could definitely see him having a lot of success playing somewhere overseas in one of those leagues. A lot of those guys have a lot of success uh, doing that. So what did you make of the, the recent Nate Reavers announcement? Yeah, I think it makes a ton of sense, and and really the only reason it sounds like he really put his name into the portal was to kind of keep his options open, and I mean, that even gave the opportunity to come back to Wisconsin uh, as well as we saw that um, happened at Indiana today with Race Thompson, but I I think it's the best move for him. Um, I, I don't think he could have gotten a whole lot out of coming back and playing another year collegiately. Instead, go make your money. Um, I'm guessing it's going to be over the pond somewhere, and, and I think he's going to have a tremendous future there, um, whether it be in basketball or anything else he, he goes for afterwards. But I, I just think if he would have come and entered the transfer portal and gone to somewhere else to play, 
that there just wasn't as much to gain from it, whereas you're you're pausing the opportunity to make money, and everybody knows money matters right now, and, and that's what's in the best interest of him. Yeah, I think it makes a ton of sense. I know the, the recency bias of, of us this year, Nate Reavers didn't have a great year, but you know, the year before that, he was a, he was the leading scorer, really strong player. So I think in terms of talent, he's got all the talent to play somewhere and, and make a really sizable, uh, strong career. You know, they get paid well to play in those leagues. It's not like the NBA is the only league in the world that, that pays you money to play basketball. There are plenty of opportunities. We've seen it with Badgers in the past. You know, Sam Decker's had a, a pretty strong career out of it that way, playing overseas now after, you know, starting out in the NBA. So I, I wish him the best of luck as a big that can knock down shots. He, he's got plenty of talent to do it. And, uh, I think it could be fun for him to to kind of get into um, that new world because, yeah, like you said, college basketball there certainly was someone where he could have played. He could have came back to Wisconsin and played, but at the same time, you could go make some money, see the world, travel, play some basketball, and get paid to do it. That's that's not so bad either. So it it makes a lot of sense, I think, for Nate Reavers to to kind of go this avenue. Yeah, it, it, that's that's got to be the life in in a lot of ways. But but I think he he has an opportunity to really excel overseas as well. He's a finesse big man. Um, depending upon where he chooses or where he's signed to, um, there's a, a it's a little bit more finesse um, over there. Instead of playing in the NBA, he doesn't have to go against Travion Williams beating him down in the post. Uh, instead, he's going to be going up against. Um, a different brand of basketball. So I think as a pick-and-pop big man who, who can block shots, I think he has has a, a wealth of talents that can help out a team overseas. Most definitely. All right, moving on down the line here, Trevor Anderson also found his new home, Valparaiso. Um, I think makes a lot of sense for him in terms of where he's going and looking to go. Of course, started at Green Bay, ended up Wisconsin, now going down a little bit into a different league. What did you make of his move, and, and how do you think that will pan out for him? I think it, it makes sense. I think most people assume that he would kind of stay in state, either at Milwaukee or even maybe go back to Green Bay. But Missouri Valley going down to Valparaiso, I think, is, is good. I think he's going to have a, a better chance of playing there, for sure. Like, if he's wanting starter minutes, I think that's a league that he can probably be a, a starter in and, and play major minutes at. So I think it's best of luck to him. I think it's a, it's a good league to play in. Um, I, I didn't see that kind of as the move, but I think after taking a step back and, and looking at it, it, it makes a ton of sense, especially if he's got one year, wants to, to really play his best basketball. And, um, you know, he even said it. He's excited for one last ride before I put the ball down for good. That's, that's insinuating he's probably not going to be um, looking at playing beyond this next year, like playing professionally in some way. Instead, try to have a, a really good – good run at Valparaiso for a year and see if you can help them um, win a conference title. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. You're looking for minutes. You know, there's going to be programs across the country that similar to Nate Reavers can, you know, in his situation, I think it was better for him to go play. Trevor Anderson's situation, maybe you don't have that professional uh, basketball aspect, you know, looking in in your future and in the mirror that way you just say, all right, I'm going to go find a place that I think I can play. Make a make a run at, at the conference tournaments and and make try to get a team in the NCAA tournament and give it one last ride um, and then go off into your career and, and sunset. I think sometimes in, in college athletics you, you put a lot of pressure on yourself to of course make it to the next level and everyone has that dream. But we see those athlete you know those student athlete commercials that they'll go so, professional something other than sports. 
Trevor Anderson, I think, knows that you know he's not going to probably be a guy that's playing professionally. So, hey, go find a place where you're going to play plenty and uh, make a run at it, and then you can do whatever you want in terms of a career. There's no, again, that's not a bad option. That's not a knock on him at all. It's just uh, some self-reflection to know that that's what he's gotten, and that's probably what he wants to do, I think, in the long run. Yeah, I mean, he, he was one of the most prolific high school basketball players to come around in like the last 10 years. I think you look at what he did at Spash, he, he's, he's got a legacy back here in the state. Go, go find another spot that you can network, find some connections that, that you could use professionally to help you out. Um, it, it's still, it's, it's kind of crazy because it's almost like he probably would have been better just to stay at Green Bay. Um, in the long run, but I'm guessing he won. He has no regrets and, and was happy that he made the move to Wisconsin. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, as a kid growing up in in the state of Wisconsin, you dream of playing for the Badgers. So having that shot was was certainly makes sense for him. But again, we wish both Nate Reavers and Trevor Anderson the best of luck at their next steps. They were fun to watch as Badgers, but uh, it'll be fun to see where they go um, in the future um, and and how they have success in their next path of life. So. Moving on down the line here, um, speaking of uh, you know, moving on into the sunset, Barry Alvarez announced his retirement. I can't believe I didn't have that in the early show notes. Again, I thought we already talked about it, but it's been a few days. And um, I, I, what can you really say uh, about Barry Alvarez that uh, hasn't already been said? Um, phenomenal head coach, really brought Wisconsin football in itself back to you know where we are at today, you know, a top 10, 15 program consistently. The, the grassroots buildup of that was, was, of course, Barry Alvarez. But I think beyond football as well, he, he deserves just as much recognition as the athletic director. Huge part in, in contributing and bringing Wisconsin athletics as a whole to, to a higher realm of success. A big part of the Big Ten Conference was, of course, part of the college football playoff committee. All these things Barry Alvarez was very much a part of. So he'll be missed for sure. He had a huge impact on, on Wisconsin athletics as a whole. And, uh, but I, I think he's also very deserving of a, a nice, happy retirement where he can go kick back and, and put his feet up. Cause, uh, if anyone deserves it, it's, it's certainly Barry. Yeah. I mean, you look back at the last 32 years in Madison that he's kind of put together and, and really he's been one of the most influential ADs in the entire country. He's been involved in so many different things, including the buildup of not only Wisconsin football, or build back up of Wisconsin football, but also the buildup of countless facilities, countless other sports. You look at um, where the program was, uh, or the athletic program in general before he got here, um, and where the money was in terms of before he got here, and it's and it's a night and day difference. He he went into a spot in that football program in which it was quite quite a dumpster fire in a lot of ways um, and turned it into a consistent winner and one of the most consistent and best programs in the entire country. And he, he's done the same with the athletic department. And, and I, I think you look back and, and those initial words in his introductory press conference where he just, and, and I know it's in the, the <laughs> walk-in of, of football games where he, he talks about you got to get your tickets now and and I'm telling you he he put his money where his mouth was and he did phenomenal things and his impact not only had was so huge on the the football program which but that ripples out to the entire um, athletic department before he got to be an AD and really the university in general um, I, I I guarantee you that if you could go through a fine tooth comb of uh, 
how how many students have been coming to the University of Wisconsin and enrollments outside of the state have greatly gone up just because of the efforts and the work that he did um, to, to build up the Wisconsin brand and, and really just kind of really just firm up a legacy of what he did and putting everything in, in his eyes. And it's, 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 it's one of those things where, like you said, you can't really put it into words because he is, he is the Don. He's done so much for Wisconsin, the state, the athletic department, and, and really, uh, I think I can speak on both behalf of both of us. We're just incredibly grateful for everything that he's done. Oh, most definitely. I mean, just even as, as fans, you know, to be able to watch a, a football program and an athletic program as a whole have success, that brings a lot of excitement. It takes a lot of work from athletic directors behind the scenes. Um, and Barry Alvarez was, of course, you know, started out bringing that football program back, but the rest of the, the program's, um, we're all revitalized in part way to him. So it's it's nice, and he had a very strong career, and I think it, it's really telling of, of the person he is that you can have success in, in one endeavor and then go on to an even um, as fruitful and successful career, you know, kind of transition after it, which is, is really impressive because there's not a lot of college football coaches, I think, that could just step into an AD role. Like if I think of Paul Christ, you know, he's a great football coach, but I cannot imagine him, you know, making budget decisions and other sporting decisions and stuff. He's a football guy, and that's what he is. Barry Alvarez was was a little bit more than that, and he had the abilities to to kind of, you know, take on a, a different program or a different role than what most college football coaches could step into after stepping down and putting the headset down. So tip of the cap to him, and uh, certainly wish him the best of luck as he moves into retirement. Very well deserved. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you look at what he was able to do to sustain success that that not only Pat Richter and Donna Shalala kind of put into works when when he started, but for him to to take everything and and make it just what it is now and most likely being handed off to to um Chris McIntosh, at least I would I would guess he's probably the odds on favorite. Um, it, it's it's in a much better spot than what it was back in, in 1990. Most definitely. We wish Barry the Don um, the best of luck as he moves into retirement. I loved uh, Jake's, uh, Jake Ferguson's tweet about going to get in gin and tonic. He'll, he'll certainly enjoy that, I'm sure. All right, moving on down in terms of football news, Joe Rudolph um, spoke to the media. I did not get a chance to listen to it. I just kind of read up on stuff, but um, I noticed he, he talked a lot about Logan Brown, mentioned a little bit about Jack Nelson. So what were your impressions of, of his um, speaking to the media? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the biggest thing was that he went ahead and, and shared his, his two deep. I mean, anybody who's had the pleasure of talking or listening to Joe Rudolph knows that he, he, he lets you know what he's thinking. He doesn't try to sugarcoat things. Um, and, and really, when you look at how – how much he gave away. He, he told us exactly what was going on. Um, it was also great to hear from Caden Lyles talking about how he's 100% back, and I think that's huge just given all the injuries that he's sustained throughout his time. But I, I thought that the, the move of Tyler Beach to left tackle right now and competing with Logan Brown is really fascinating. You can tell that they want to get their top five out there, which has always been Rudolph's motto, 
Brust at right tackle, and and I I thought I've been talking about it, and I know you have too. That we both kept saying that Jack Nelson's the guy that's eventually going to be too good, and that we thought he was going to have a chance to be a starter this year at guard. And and sure enough, he's running with the starting five at right guard. I I think Jack Nelson's going to be a starter, whether he's the full time starter or shares those duties. I could see him potentially shifting back to left guard to to go back and forth with Josh Seltzner, kind of like what we've seen in the past. And and Logan Brown goes to start at left tackle, Tyler Beach back to right guard. But I think right now you're, you're seeing that Beach, Lyles, Nelson, Brust, I think are for sure five guys that are going to be out there no matter what. I think the, the real battle at left guard between Seltzner, um, Cormac Sampson, and then potentially um, Jack Nelson, Tyler Beach, if they, they stay at guard or shift to guard, I should say. Um, really is going to be the interesting thing to watch. But I think overall, Rudolph seems like to be happy with where he's at. He's looking for consistency from Logan Brown. And and really, I I think everybody's looking for a better performance from the offensive line coming into this year. Yeah, uh, certainly when you have success that that Wisconsin football's had in terms of running the football and having these big, strong offensive lines that you rely on, Last year was certainly considered a down year, so you're expecting a bounce back, especially when you look at the talent that they've got throughout the you know the, the starting five, the second five, and really some even some guys that are considered third string are, are guys that are really talented that are up and coming and, and going to make a run um, you know at playing a lot of quality football in the future. Maybe it's not this year in terms of spring football and, and into the fall, but in the coming years they've got a lot of depth and a lot of talent. So you expect that room to be you know, click in the way um, it should. And, and part of that, I think, will success will, will bring is, is Joe Rudolph being back in terms of full focus kind of on that, um, you know, not not calling plays. I, I think he's probably fully vested into getting his best out of out of his guys and, and getting the best five on the field. So I think that was really interesting. I'm glad you brought up the, the Jack Nelson thing because, yeah, I mean, he's just, he's just too talented, I think, not to play. The guy is just a beast in terms of size and strength from from everything you've kind of seen. Even in just the brief glimpses of him in high school, in terms of his tape, was just was just bigger and stronger and and better than than the guys he was going against. So it's no surprise that he's you know working his way into the fold that way. And I think um, I think it's going to be an interesting battle for him. You know Logan Brown. I know that he you know Joe Rudolph kind of said. There's some plays that he just flashes the brilliance that you see from him and some plays that, that struggles, and that's part of the development as a young offensive lineman. So it's really going to be interesting to see you know, how that group shakes out, which five are out there and, and which five are, are going to be pushing for time. And I, I would guess in our next exercise we'll probably have some names on there that kind of talks about you know, make-or-break situations for some of these guys. Yeah, without a doubt. And and I'm, I'm glad you, you kind of brought up just – how how talented Nelson is. I think his athleticism is going to be big as well. That'll give him a chance to be a six foot seven guard, which is is usually pretty pretty tall for an interior offensive lineman. But I thought another thing that really jumped out was the absence, both in the the two deep as well as in that third group that included Riley Malman, Ben Barton, Dylan Barrett, and and Blake Smithbeck was the complete absence of Joe Tippman. And mm-hmm. he was a guy, four-star kid, who he saw getting reps as a true freshman at, at center and, and looked like he was going to have a pretty bright career. We didn't see him at all last year. Um, and uh, and then now to we're not seeing anything involving him 
in in spring right now. I'm assuming it's probably injury related. Maybe um, I, I know for for the offensive line and and for really any position in football, the best uh, ability is availability. And if he's struggling with that, it's going to make it hard for him to get on the field. I'm, I'm hoping that he can turn it around because I I would think that he would be kind of the next up behind Lyles, you would think, at center or even fighting for one of those guard spots. But as of right now, to not see him was something that jumped out to me as well. Yeah, it's certainly newsworthy that, you know, some of these names that are up and coming, you you there's just so much depth and talent in this offensive line room that if, if you're not out there and playing um, and getting reps, it's very possible that you could get bypassed by some of these other guys. And, of course, you know, in that situation, it could be injury-related, but – even if it's injury-related or not, you know, guys got to be out there. Guys are getting reps, and you can move up the depth chart. You know, it's, it sucks if a guy's injured, but at the same time, you've got your opportunity to get on the field. You've got to take it and, and not really feel bad about it. So how that offensive line room completely shakes out is, is going to be completely fascinating. Yeah, and, that, and that's the reason why it's so important that they continue to stockpile four- and five-star kids because – Tidman was a four-star kid, and we don't know where he's at right now. And and that tells you about not only the depth they have, but what can happen in a guy's career. I mean, Caden Lyles, we, we mentioned, I mentioned his injury concerns and how many different ebbs and flows he's had, playing defense, being injured, um, and fighting through injuries. It, it can happen to anybody. So hopefully Tidman is, is back and ready to roll or or is, is healthy and is able to kind of find a niche in the offensive line. But, but really, it's, it's going to be a fun battle because there's a long time before that first game against Penn State. Got some time to either rise up the depth chart or fall down, which I think is a nice transition. But before we get into the make or break segment, um, it will be a fun exercise. Let's go ahead and get our ad reads out of the way, and we'll be right back with you shortly. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, spring football is a very important time for the coaches to get an eye and a look without the pressures of, of game week going, but it's also time for players to make an impact, make themselves get onto the field, make them prove that they're the ones that need to be on there. But in a lot of these situations that we're about to talk about, there are guys that either have got some people in front of them, got some guys on their tails, and it's, it's really sink or swim time, make or break time for some of these guys uh, in terms of the exercise. So it should be a lot of fun to kind of look at some of these position battles. I mean, some of them have starters in front of them, but uh, it should be a nice little further in-depth look instead of just your traditional one-two depth chart that way. So um, we'll we'll each kind of go through our list here. How about, Matt, you go ahead and go first with uh, your first name that you've got listed as a make or break. How fitting is it that I'm just going to talk about one of one of the guys that I've been talking about for the past two years, and that's Isaac Garendo um, at running back. He like as everybody knows, he came in as a wide receiver recruit, shifted over to running back, has bounced back and forth. He, but he's been at running back the past couple of years. Another kid who's who's dealt with availability issues, those hamstrings, man. Um, he added some weight. He's up to closer to to 220 pounds, which I think is good for him at six feet. 
he he was a guy who came into last season after really making some waves um, as a as a redshirt freshman and and helping them out in that against Minnesota, doing some nice things late in the season. Uh, last year came in was supposed to be one of the top three running backs with Nikia Watson, Garrett Groshek. He got some some carries early in in that first game, got hurt, and we didn't see him the rest of the year. And he's a guy who's got wheels. He is probably the fastest kid in that entire running back room and can help them out in terms of his explosive playability, but it's a matter of he's got to be able to stay healthy. And um, he's entering that zone where he, he this year he's a, he's a junior, but he's been on campus for four, for four years. It, it's that moment where if, if he wants it, the second running back job is there. And I think you look at his skill set as a runner. He's a little bit heavier than Berger. He is, a, is um, a, able to catch the ball out of the backfield. If he can show that he can block, I think he could easily nail down that, that third down back, the change of pace back for, for Jalen Berger, and give them something a little different given how fast he is. I think he's the guy that comes to, to mind for me first, at least uh, right away on the offense. Yeah, I love that you mentioned that name. I had him down as well, but I thought that might be the one that, that you let off with. So I'm, I'm glad I um, let you go first. But yeah, I think that one is a great name in, in terms of it's time to it's time to see it um, from a guy like him. I think the interesting part of that is the the depth of that room right now. You you don't have you've of course got Jalen Berger who's already kind of surpassed a guy like Isaac Arendo. You've got Julius Davis, who we, we think is a quality player. So we, I know we haven't really seen it, but he, he looks like a guy that's got a ton of talent. Garendal, you mentioned the injury bug. He's had that time and time again. And then you've got the, the incoming guys that aren't on campus this spring, but you're going to have you know Antoine Roberts, Loyal Crawford, Jackson Akers, kind of that flex guy. You don't know where he's going to be lined up at. But, yeah, I, I think Isaac Garendal right now is at a position where if he wants to make some inroads and be that number two running back, it's got to start right now because they're they they're going to need somebody. It's going to have to be the likes of Davis, Garendo, or one of the young guys. But it's certainly there for the taking. Jalen Burgers, I think your clear cut starter and going to get a bulk of the carries. But a guy like Isaac Garendo could really benefit from spring practice, not having a ton of competition yet. Um, if he can stay healthy, I could certainly see him making it. Or if he doesn't, you know, definitely falling down uh, that depth chart a little bit. So I think that's a great name to lead off with. Yeah, and it could have very easily been Julius Davis. And I don't know mm-hmm. if you got him on your list, but he's another guy that very easily could have been in that discussion. I just went with Grando because he's a year older and figured his his eligibility clock is ticking a little bit quicker. Yeah, I like that one a lot. All right, for my first one, I kind of have this – guy and another one written down here because Isaiah Green May and I also have CJ Getz because I think for Isaiah Green May you've got we've talked about that the length the potential for years now it seems I mean I think we've had this conversation on the podcast multiple times hasn't really panned out now you've got a guy like Caden Johnson you've got Aaron Witt TJ Bowlers Herbig at that outside linebacker position so I mean Herbig I think has already kind of surpassed him I think a guy like Witt and Caden Johnson and, and TJ Bowlers all have the, the athletic ability to be in front of him. So maybe that project is already done. I mean, I hate to say that you're just going to write off a kid that's you know coming into his senior year or anything like that. So that's why I kind of wrote down CJ Getz as well because I think there's a situation here at that outside linebacker position where these young, talented guys that are coming in, we've talked about it, how these recruits coming in 
are so strong and, and ready to play earlier than in years past. And that kind of gets this the senior, this junior, sophomore class that hasn't really panned out in some of these positions where you could get passed up by some of these younger guys. So I think both of those names are ones that if you're going to make some inroads and get some playing time at that outside linebacker position, this is the time to, to really do it because you've got some really talented young guys nipping at your heels and, and coming pretty fast, and, and they're really talented players. Yeah, I, I think both of those are really good selections. I think Getz, he played a lot last year. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's definitely a guy who's going to be able to help them out. I would anticipate that he's probably going to be the the next guy up behind Burks on, on one side, and then you've got Herbig on the other. And and and, and maybe Aaron Witt's involved in, in one of those two as well to round up the two deep. But Isaiah Green May, he, he's – He's 6'6", 230-plus. Like, he's got all the measurables that you drew over, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy, has has dealt with some uh, issues with adding the weight and getting up to the weight and keeping it. And and really, at this point, you just you wonder what they have in him and if, if this is going to be that light bulb moment for him. Um, but but right now, I think until I see it, like, like you mentioned, I think you have to look at that he's probably – Fifth on the depth chart, maybe lower. Um, he, he's he's a senior. He's he's got his last year really to go here, and hopefully he can put it all together. Um, actually, he probably have another year because of the COVID waiver. But but really, you look at it. He he's got all the measurables, all the talent in the world. We've seen him get to the quarterback at times, but but now it's a matter of he's got to jump over multiple players to try to to get into that too deep and. and carve out a role and hopefully he can do it because I think he's talented enough but mm-hmm. but I think I, I think right now I've seen more from CJ Getz through their careers and I, I would give Getz a little bit more leeway because I think he's going to be definitely in the, the top four yeah yep no I think that's a, I think that's a great assessment for sure it's going to be interesting to see how how both of those guys kind of shake out and how these young guys who are, are going to be pushing them um, kind of keep them going all right who do you got for your next one on the list Okay, so next up, I, I would say is, for me, is going to be Travion Blaylock at, at safety. He's a kid who came in. He's, he's dabbled a little bit at corner, dabbled a little bit at safety. He's he's entering, uh, at least when you look at the roster, he's a junior. But because of COVID, he's, he could still probably have a sophomore eligibility. So it's not like he doesn't have plenty of time to to, to play. and But you've, you've got Colin Wilder coming back for that sixth year. You've got Scott Nelson in front of him. Those are your probably your two starters. But behind them, there is wide openness for playing time. And I would think that Blaylock, we've seen him do some things on special teams. He, he had a really nice fumble recovery as a freshman against Iowa. I'm hoping that he can he can find a role because it's, it's going to be a battle behind there because you also lost Madison Cohn. You you also um, lost uh, Dante Caputo, but you still have guys like John Torchio, who we've seen play and play well. Titus Toller, who we saw get a nice interception against Michigan last year, but he hasn't necessarily been able to stay healthy either. And you've got, we've already mentioned it, the, the talented freshman Hunter Waller coming in, who's also going to be wanting to get some playing time. And Tyler Mace is another guy who's helped them out on special teams. Um, routinely throughout his career. So Travion Blaylock, if he wants to nail down that third safety or even a fourth safety spot, there is a possibility for playing time, not maybe as much next year, like he'd be able to do some special teams, help out as a, as a third safety when they need it. 
but but really the year after that when when Wilder might be moving on, when you might have um, Scott Nelson having the decision to make about his eligibility. I think Travion Blaylock is, is a talented player that Wisconsin's been high on, and, and now it's kind of he's in make-or-break territory, I think, in terms of setting up his future um, for, for next year as well. Yeah, I think that's a great one. That's one I didn't have on my list, but it, it makes a lot of sense when you look at, of course, the Reggie Pearson departure. You're going to have more playing time this year, but you've got Nelson and Wilder to, to hold down that spot. But, yeah, the, the, the rest of the group that you mentioned, Titus Toller, Torchio, all these guys can can make a push at it. So if, if there's a guy like Travion Blaylock that you mentioned, you know they're they're really hot. They've been high on him, you know, early in his recruitment, early in his career. He's shown a little bit of flashes on special teams that he's got athleticism, but it's probably time. Yeah, it's probably go time for him to really make an inroad and, and see where they're at because you you've got some safety leeway, you've got some depth, and you've got some options there that you can go with. So if if it's really that whole secondary group that you mentioned. All of them can certainly make a name for themselves. But I would say Travion Blaylock's probably a guy that the clock might be ticking a little bit faster when you look at some of these other guys, you know, like a Titus Toller, only a sophomore, got some more opportunities versus Blaylock a little bit older and, and really timing, you know, time to start making some inroads there. For sure. All right. Well, who's up next for yours? I've got, I think this one might be, Kind of an obvious one when you look at it. AJ Abbott, a, a wide receiver. Again, you know we've already saw you know that last year coming into the year, you were talking about AJ Abbott and Taj Mustafa like hand in hand with one another. Of course, Taj Mustafa's not on the roster now, so you've got kind of the situation for AJ Abbott where he's in a little bit of I would say a logjam. I mean, you've got Danny Davis, you've got Kendrick Pryor. You've got two reliable starters, and then you've got the likes of, you know, Chimray DK, Devin Chandler got reps last year, and then you've got a guy, a young guy, of course, not on campus, and Marcus Allen, but he's going to come in, and he's exceptionally talented. I think we both kind of agreed that he could be a guy, even coming in just in the fall, that could make an impact and, and be a guy that, you know, sees his way onto the field at some point. So if you're A.J. Abbott and you're looking at your situation, you've got two guys in front of you, you got guys that are younger than you, possibly playing ahead of you, and then you've got even younger guys coming in. It's probably time for him to really make an impact, and if he's going to be on the field and be one of the you know, top three, four you know, wide receivers, they probably got to start seeing it right now, because if not, some of these other guys are, are probably going to make some some jumps, like the Devin Chandlers, the Mark Salins, um, and others that could certainly make a, a run at one of these wide receiver spots. Yeah, I, I, I think you make a great point because he is a kid that I think is is in that time where, where he really needs to put it together and, and hopefully kind of make sure that he's one of those top four wide receivers or top five, really, I think is what he's really fighting for. Um, because Krumholtz helped him out a lot last year as a blocker. I think Abbott could help them out because they're similar-sized kids. Um, he's Abbott's a pretty good blocker, where at the very least he gives them that. He caught a pass last year, um, has been involved. I, I think, though, that you look at it, you saw Taj Mustafa kind of step away. This is this is the time where A.J. Abbott needs to set it up because you look at past this year. You know, this upcoming year, you've got all those seniors. You've got three seniors, and then you've got um, Tim Ray DK, who are probably going to comprise your top four no matter what A.J. Abbott does, unless Abbott jumps over one of those guys. But um, after that, you've got those three seniors gone. Kim Ray DK is going to be there. Devin Chandler is going to be there. But Abbott, 
could really blossom into a, a big play threat because he's a big-bodied receiver who has just had a tough time with consistency issues. I think he has a chance to be uh, the type of player that they need as a as a boundary outside wide receiver, but it's just going to be a matter of sticking around and and really putting together a really good spring and offseason so that he's playing a little bit this upcoming year to propel him his himself forward for the year prior. Yeah, I think that's uh, all great points. As you look at that wide receiver room, some you know strong guys in front of them, but opportunities there for the future if if guys want to take it. So. Um, that's definitely a name to keep an eye on in A.J. Abbott. All right, who would you have uh, next on your list? Well, I mean, there's there's so many that we could we could talk about, but I'm, I'm going to go with Muma John Mehta, and, and this is one. I don't know if – did you have him on your list? I didn't, but I thought about it. When I was going through the roster, I, I kind of wrote a note next to him that maybe, so I can definitely see where you're coming from. Yeah, so I don't think, like – it's anything dire for him, mm-hmm. but you look at the complexion of that inside linebacker room, and right now you've, you've got Sanborn, who you probably got him for one more year. I doubt he comes back for another go-around. Um, you, you've got Leo Chanel, who you probably got at least two more years of, and he's going to be your leader once Sanborn's gone at, at inside. But then you've got Masculinus, who's also going to be gone. And all last season we saw in the two deep that it was – Mike Maskelunas was your third and fourth inside linebacker, and that if anything went down, we actually saw Tatum Grass get reps. And that's nothing against Tatum Grass because I think he's a really talented player. But I do think that John Meta as a scholarship kid is, is in a spot where he's a class ahead of Malik Reed, Jordan Turner. They, they shifted Preston Zachman to safety, so that helps him out a little bit. But you've, you've also got a couple other walk-ons. You've got Tatum Grass, like I mentioned, and you've got uh, Ross Gengler. But then you have three really talented incoming freshmen, one of which is already on campus. Um, and so I think when you look at it, Jake Cheney, I think, is going to be a type of kid who could, could make some waves this spring to kind of give himself uh, a chance in the future. But I think Mumajong Meta is the type of kid who needs to have a really nice spring here to, to set himself up nicely to be one of those next guys in after Maskelunas. If not, I think he is a prime candidate to potentially see uh, a shift to maybe even fullback or, or one of those other guys, maybe Tatum Grass would be a shift to fullback because I think those two, given where they're at eligibility-wise, both last year's were um, second year on campus but still freshmen, would make sense at fullback and it might be a way to get them onto the field um, I mean, and the same could be said for, like, Jordan Turner um, and Malik Reed. They're just a little lighter, and I don't think that necessarily would fit as as well at fullback. But I think this is an opportunity for them to show both Tatum Grass and Mumich on Meta, hey, I'm here to stay at inside linebacker, and I'm going to be part of the plan going forward. Because if not, I honestly think you've got Jake Ratzloff coming in. You've got Brian Sanborn coming in. You've got Braylon Allen, who's probably going to end up at inside linebacker. And I don't know about you, but I'm kind of drooling over the idea of Jake Ratzloff and Braylon Allen playing inside linebacker. Mm -hmm. Those two are super athletic and really talented players that I think could play really well at inside linebacker. Yeah, I think that would be a phenomenal tandem. So you you certainly see a situation. I'm glad that that you kind of said his name because that was one that – I kind of had it written down, you know, he seems like such a young player, you know, as a, listed as a sophomore, you know, currently on the spring roster, but even as a young player, you can get surpassed by some of the, I mean, Jordan Turner, Malik Reed, the guys that have talent, and then you talk about that incoming crop of, 
of young guys that are just so good and, and certainly will make a run at things. Um, so, you know, the Jake Rotsloffs, the Braylon Allens, guys that, of course, we'll have to see it once they're on campus, but just seeing what you see on tape, those guys just seem to have something a little bit different than what you're normally getting from a guy coming in um, and, and taking over in an inside linebacker position. So that's, a, I think, a great name in terms of guy to, to keep an eye on because he's got you know the abilities, the athletic abilities, the talent, but that's just an inside linebacker position that has so much young and up-and-coming um, talent that there's only really, you know, you've only got the two spots, so it's going to be, and of course you rotate some, but if you want a bulk of that playing time, it's, it's probably time to, to really start seeing it. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree with you. Moving on down the line, I've got one, I've got a couple more listed, but I'll do one more, and, and this one I, I wrote down, Isaiah Mullins, because I think you've got a situation where you've got Matt Henningsen as a starter, but then you've got guy, and I think Isaiah Mullins right now definitely could be a starter. There's no doubt about that. But you've got younger guys again nipping at your heels. You've got Cade McDonald, you know, Rodas Johnson sounds from what we've heard being a guy that is is making a wave already. So that maybe puts a little bit more pressure on Isaiah Mullins to get going. You've got a guy like James Thompson Jr. Of course, you know I know he's been battling some injuries. You've got Mike Jarvis coming in early, and then uh, they took an, uh, in a transfer in Isaac Townsend. So you've got situations where maybe really that entire group I said outside of Matt Henningsen is going to be pushing for playing time. But Isaiah Mullins, of course, as a junior, you're in that situation where your your clock is, is ticking a little bit more than some of these younger guys, like, the, of course, Mike Jarvis, James Thompson. Um, Isaac Townsend could be a guy situation where he's still got you know years of eligibility, so the, the clock is probably taking a little bit more on Isaiah Mullins. Now, he could come out and, and have a really strong spring and, and have a strong fall and be a starter. But if not, I could certainly see, you know, a guy like Rodas Johnson, who's impressive, and, and Cade McDonald, um, you know, making a push for playing time and getting into that defensive end rotation and, and possibly a starter as the year goes on. Yeah, I think that's a really good one because I, I, I would imagine that he's going to be a starter next year. I think he's done some nice things as a reserve defensive lineman, you know, tucked behind a couple of really talented guys. Um, but I, I think he's a starter, but you you got to make sure that you hold off those younger guys and that you maintain that starting role. So I'm glad you brought him up. Who else did you have on your list? Yeah, I had a couple other. Um, I had this guy is another one, similar to Isaiah Green May, Deron Harrell at quarterback or cornerback. Um, you've got the starters ahead of him, Caesar Williams, Fayon Hicks, and then you've got you know the guys behind him, Ingram, Alexander Smith, the younger guys, Max Lofi, Samar Melvin, Dante Burt. I mean, there's just so much talent. You know, Harrell as a senior, I just again that might be a situation where maybe the ship has already kind of sailed. Again, you don't want to give up on a, a guy like that, but he just hasn't. He's had he's had opportunities in playing time and, and just hasn't really you know made an impact and, and been out there. And I think there's a lot of talent that could get out there. And then we talked about it earlier. I think someone in that offensive line room, and, and maybe it's Joe Tipman, um, just with, with the Brown, Jack Nelson, and, and then you've got young guys coming after Cormac Sampson. Um, someone in that, I think, you know, too deep of the offensive line might be getting pushed out a little bit just uh, – um, based on based on the talent in the room. So I know we already kind of hit on that, but those are the last two um, that I had written down. 
Yeah, I'm, I, I totally agree with Deron Harrell. I mean, that kid's been an enigma um, ever since he got on campus because he's got that the length of 6'2", 180-some, and he, he played so much and was a starter and, and did so many nice things. There was a lot of hype around him in fall camp two years ago and then just completely fell off the face of the earth, but he's still on campus, and, like, you would have thought that maybe if he was – was upset about it. He wouldn't be um, still here. Like he would have maybe transferred. But he's a kid who who played minutes last year. Played played a lot of a lot of games. But it's 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 just it's hard to know what's going on there. Hopefully he can put it together because he does have some physical traits that they don't have elsewhere. I think Caesar Williams is the next closest that they have in terms of his length. Um, so I I love that that pick. On the offensive line, the name I would say, and agreeing with you that this guy is Josh Seltzner, who yep. who's kind of and right now he's in that two deep at left guard, but we've seen him kind of really bounce up and down the depth chart a lot, and he's never really nailed down a, a secure starting spot. He's been he's been a hybrid guy. He's shared that role at times, and this year maybe it's that time where he's going to take over the role and it's going to be his. And Buffalo Head is going to be the difference maker at left guard, but you wonder if it's going to be something to where he shares time again and Cormac Sampson's in there or, or kind of what's going to happen there because I, I think Seltzner, he's entering his senior year. I mean, like I said, the the whole COVID waiver thing is you don't really know where guys are at um, eligibility-wise because they still have a decision to make, but he, he's a kid who, who's got the size. He's one of the strongest guys on the team, but he is one of the older guys on that line, and can he maintain that and firm up that starting spot I think is a major question. And so I, I'm glad you brought up the offensive line as well. Um, and, and I would say tight end room, you, you've got Jalen Franklin as a guy because of that position shift, that if mm-hmm. he wants to make a move and, and kind of carve out a role as a pass catcher, he would want to have a good year to kind of set himself up for that. Um, and and really, if you want to go quarterback, you would probably say Chase Chase Wolf because yeah, yeah. He's, he's got the same you know he's at the same eligibility time almost as Graham Mertz. He's actually a year older, and he's probably not going to be your starter over Mertz. So does he stick around, especially when you've got another talented quarterback coming in in the fall and everything? So I think Chase Wolf is another kid where um, if, if he can't beat out Mertz this year, what does that look like going into the following season? Yeah, I think both of those are, are strong names to, to have on there as well because Jalen Franklin, you know, they switched him there for a reason. You know, they they think that they've got something that they can have there. They've got enough tight ends where they didn't necessarily, you know, it's not the same situation as a couple of years ago where they were just looking for bodies to get in there at tight end. They've got enough now that they didn't need to make that switch if they didn't want to. So you got to think that they, they have something that they think Jalen Franklin can do there. So that one makes a lot of sense, but again, you've got to see it. Uh, you know, didn't see it last year. You've got to, you know, him moving. Now you've got him moving into that position for a full spring season. So that one makes a lot of sense. And then, yeah, the Chase Wolf one, the writing is, is kind of there that the Graham Mertz is going to be the guy. You expect him to have a bigger year where, you know, if he, of course, if he had a terrible down year, maybe there's more of a competition the following year, but. I think uh, that's certainly a situation as well. Chase Wolf was a pretty talented kid coming out of high school, um, you know, fairly highly recruited that way. So it's uh, it's certainly a, an interesting situation for a lot of these guys. I mean, you talk about it, it's really a most of the situations that we touched on were guys with either you know kind of guys in front of them and guys coming behind them that if they're not you know sinking or swimming it, or if they're not swimming, it's going to be sinking down. 
um, which I, I think made the exercise a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. I always enjoy this, especially when we can kind of ping pong back and forth and, and, and talk things through because a lot of times we'll agree on certain things, but it's it's nice when we can we can pull on some of these things because I, I totally, like, Deron Harrell was the next guy on my list. I was like, that's, that's the guy because I actually think he's like the quintessential this exercise right now just because it is it is where – you don't have Rashad Wild Goose, so there is a corner spot open. Does Harold take that and then Hicks go inside, or, or what does that look like? But but really, I, I think this was a really fun one. Yeah, it certainly was. And it'll be interesting now that we've kind of said these names to, to keep an eye on and keep an eye out for, for any news stories that sees where these guys are, are kind of trending, what direction they're headed um, as spring football continues on. All right, guys, that wraps up another episode of the podcast. Hope you enjoyed this exercise. I know we both did, as we mentioned. We'll, of course, be back with you next week. And as always, on Wisconsin.